Marini's Media. Over the course of the now-suspended season, it's been my pleasure to watch both Parkey and Clarkey flourish on the grandest stage of them all, network television. Listener, I'm sure you all agree both have made tremendous strides and become stars of the small screen these past seven months. But if you thought a bi-monthly appearance on EFL on Quest or rubbing shoulders with Kevin Phillips on Sky would be the height of our boys' TV careers, you were proved emphatically wrong earlier this week. Kerry, Curtin, over to you. Yeah, because it's exactly like when Swindon sold Sam Park in Twitch Town. You know, we lost one of our finest ever strikers that day. We did, yeah. But he had to go. You know, he was restless. He had to leave to progress his career. And the very least we could do was grant him his transfer request after years of exceptional service he gave to the club. And yeah, he did fail at Ipswich, because ultimately he was massively out of his depth. His career just nosedived after that. This is the Totally Football League show. I mean, I needed cheering up this week, as we all do, but imagine how happy I was when I heard that my favourite show and my friend and all-time favourite footballer, called Sam, were together at last. Uh, Sam, you knew that was coming. Did you enjoy it as much as me? Um, it's probably the scene I've enjoyed the least out of all three series, to be <laughs> completely frank. Um, but in the name of comedy, I'm going to take it on the chin. Great programme. I've loved it. Loved all the STFC references throughout. I think Luke Norris got a bit of stick in uh, the last series or maybe the one before. And um, yeah, I did have the heads up because they were doing the rounds, um, local radio, obviously promoting the new series. And some of my friends and colleagues at BBC Wiltshire said they'd been on. And Curtin, Charlie, Cooper had actually been very nice about me in real life and said that I was one of his favourite STFC players. But I think he also mentioned Razor Ruddock, so I'm taking that with a bit of a pinch of salt. But um, I suppose ultimately, if it's to be the last ever episode, I'm glad that I've chilled, cheered up the, the nation possibly this week. You certainly did. It's this country. It's available on BBC iPlayer if you haven't seen it. All three series, they're great. But the, the moment that Sam was was mentioned is, is up there with my highlights of 2020. Uh, so Sam's here. I'm here. Uh, it's Matt, by the way. Hi. Uh, who else is in virtually to talk EFL? I hear you ask, listener. Well, it's only the Director of Member Services and Engagement at the National Landlords Association. He's had a busy few weeks. Come in, Adrian Clark. <laughs> oh, it's, it's been an absolute nightmare, boys, let me tell you. But yeah, great to be here what a compliment by the way to be on that program absolutely brilliant i know that i know they they sort of ribbed you a little bit sam but i think i think yeah you, you gotta be proud of that mention only after they praised him to the hilt <laughs> i would have loved to have been on the last episode of 40 towers or the office and you know that's probably the nearest thing we've got maybe at the moment so yeah bit of a compliment do you know what i've never seen the program though so yeah it completely went over my head but but yeah by the sounds of it it's decency i'm gonna definitely tune in from now on so that's been big uh, on people's self-isolation watch list, as have the self-isolation workouts. So we've got Akin Fenwa's arm workout. The bigger your triceps look, the bigger your biceps, your arms are going to look. So again, hold it, squeeze, squeeze, squeeze. You can get a towel, do the same thing. Leon Legg's self-isolation fitness challenge. So that's six minutes that. Do that five times round. And then that's it. Pass the time, I suppose. 
the loo roll challenge and, and Joe Wick's morning PE workout set. Clarky, have you and the kids tried any of those? <laughs> yeah, I, I got the kids on the uh, Joe Wick's PE uh, lesson. It was great fun. To be fair, they, they gave up pretty early doors, but I, I, I stuck with it. I'll tell you what. My hammies are absolutely screaming at me. I can't do lunges anymore, I'm afraid. So yeah, it's um, I'm in bits as we speak, thanks to thanks to Mr. Wicks. But yeah, it's great, isn't it? L- love what he's doing. Sam, you're a keen runner. Are you still getting out for your your odd five k jog here and there, or are you doing it in front of the TV? No, no, I am religiously, yeah. But I, I do tend to alternate between road running and the Joe Wicks. I do enjoy doing the Joe Wicks uh, just in the front room off YouTube, but. I didn't do this morning. Well, I haven't done them this week because I just felt they might be more directed towards the children. But if Clarkie's struggling, then maybe uh, I'll <laughs> take them on the well. a lot, mate. <laughs> um, this part of the show is not sponsored by Joe Wicks, by the way. But if you want to, Joe, then do get in touch. Um, I've been doing DDP yoga. DDP is an old wrestler who now does yoga and shouts stuff at you whilst you uh, whilst you do it. Stuff like elongate that spine will help you hold back the hands of time so that's what i've been doing Uh, anyway coming up on today's show we're speaking with shrewsbury's dave edwards and northampton manager keith kill first though this you're listening to the totally football league show in association with william hill Right then, we've got to talk about what's going on in the big, wide, broken world. And since last week's show, we've heard from the EFL with regard to what they plan to do to help clubs affected by the coronavirus outbreak. So that's every club in the EFL then. Uh, The governing body have released £50 million to clubs in short-term relief, including the early release of award payments and an interest-free loan facility. Uh, The general vibe from club chairman seems to be thanks, but but that's not enough. What do you think, Sam? Should the EFL be doing more? Is Is there any more that they could do realistically? Uh, probably not at this point. Uh, I think it's you know it's very difficult for for all of us to talk about it, given that the landscape's changed so drastically in the last seven days. I think a lot of what we said on last week's show is maybe tired now because people don't seem to be um, obsessed with talking about how this season should reach an end because it doesn't really matter currently. Yes, the finances is a big issue because. Ultimately, they're, they're businesses. Um, a lot of people take great pleasure in going to football. It helps socially. Uh, num- hundreds, thousands of people earn their, their living through sport and, and football. So I can understand we we have to talk about it to a degree, but I just think it's changed so much. How can we possibly know? They seem to, it seems to be really welcome what the EFL did in the in the last week and but it's an advance of, of money it's money the clubs were going to get anyway so I suppose we're going to be having this same conversation if this drags on another couple of months um, I suppose players to take pay cuts I just don't know how you'd organise that referrals one idea would be you know maybe for clubs to have a fund that players and um, coaching staff management certainly could pay into and potentially that could help some of the other members of staff at the football club. I just don't know how sensibly you would organise taking a specific percentage of each player because everyone's circumstances are so different. 
yeah, there's massive disparity in wages in, in the championship just, just in and of itself. But we should say that just before we started recording today's show, a story broke in the evening standard claiming that the National League season will be declared null and void. Uh, this hasn't been, been verified uh, as of what is now for us. Uh, but that would obviously, Clarkie, have ramifications for the League 2 relegation picture. So it could quite get quite messy quite soon uh, for the EFL as they try and sift their way through this. Yeah, that was exactly my thought, actually, when, when, I, saw, when I caught wind of this story. It's... It's sad. I I think we all knew that the National League would struggle even more than the EFL clubs, and and it, it appears that's the case. I just it just seems it seems wrong. I think I think we we've talked at length about the integrity of the competition, and we don't want to scar the sport. And I agree with Sam. Look, that there are bigger things at play here. It's it seems less important than it than it was. But it is still important and we will get back to football. And I just think null and voiding a season is completely wrong. Calling it quits now even, I think, wouldn't be the right thing to do in a sporting sense. Can the football family, and what I'm talking about here, the Premier League, the FA, the PFA, maybe players themselves at the highest level, can they not create some kind of fund here and take a slight hit on their wages in the short term, it shouldn't fall on the players. I don't think it should fall on them. It's not their responsibility. But I think most Premier League players could afford to take a hit uh, in unison with their fellow professionals and semi-professionals lower down the pyramid to keep those clubs alive in the short term. You know, that, that's something to consider. I'm st- we're still waiting, aren't we, for the FA, the Premier League to really contribute. I, I do welcome what the EFL did. I thought that was that was a, that was a smart gesture. Um, but it just seems wrong that, that Barrow um, potentially could be denied promotion. But but even so, they're not guaranteed to go up, are they? The, the chasing pack worked hard all season to, to, to get back into the EFL. They might be denied that opportunity as well. It's very, very messy. Can we not save the National League and the National League North and South? Surely there's enough money swilling around the game that we can keep those clubs going. Well, look, whatever happens, we'll keep you up to date. Who knows what kind of state we'll be in when we speak this time next week. OK, back to your regularly formatted programming to the Championship. Into the Championship, where the headlines are. Charlton Chairman Matt Southall has been removed from the Board of Club Owners East Street Investments, as has Director Jonathan Heller. The EFL's case against Sheffield Wednesday has progressed to the next stage. This is all about the Owls' attempt to avoid FFP charges. However, individual charges have been dropped. Birmingham have asked players to defer half of their wages. They're the first club to do so in the championship. Leeds have been discussing placing a salary cap to help them stay afloat. And Cardiff City legend Peter Whittingham unfortunately passed away last week after sustaining a head injury at the age of just 35. Our thoughts are with his loved ones. So Charlton then, we've been keeping an eye on the addicts issues for a while now, but it seems something positive has happened, at least in the eyes of majority shareholder Tanun Namir, with the news that Matt Southall has been removed from the board of ESI who own the club. As you might expect if you followed the story, Southall isn't going quietly. He's claiming the process to remove him was unlawful and invalid, and it all seems a bit gauche given what's currently going on in the world. But hey, we'll keep you abreast of any further developments, of which there will be loads uh, has anybody got anything else to say on Charlton that we haven't said before? No, nah, it's just a bit tasteless, isn't it? Really, it's 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 ugly. It's a mess. I think Charlton. It sounds like Charlton are better off without Mister Southall. But but then now it falls on Tanun Nimer, doesn't it? To and to to come up with the money. Has he got it? Well, only time will tell. But look, we've got this impasse going on at the moment. 
Um, hopefully it's brought him a bit of time to, to sort that side of things out. OK, let's talk about something more fun then. Next, we'll get back to our team of the season. So last week we started our team of the season so far feature, which sees Sam and Adrian argue over who've been the best players in the championship from August till the other week when the beginning of the collapse of civilization began in earnest. And we heard the case for the defence last week. And keep in mind, listener, I wasn't here. So the presence of two members of the Forest squad was nothing to do with me. Uh, so far, we have Bruce Samber in goal. Accurate. A backline of Ailing, Cash, White, Pinnock, Ajay, Pedersen and Brian. Uh, this week it's midfield, but the first question is what formation will you be lining up with? Actually, the first question is how many players are actually going to be in this so-called team. Based on the defence, it's looking like about 30. Uh, anyway, what are we going with formation-wise, Clark? Is it a four-man midfield? Well, I think I thought that we were given uh, carte blanche to choose whichever formation we want. Basically, what's happening here, Matt, to save any confusion, I'm picking a team of the season. Sam's picking a team of the season. It'll be interesting to see see how similar, how different they are. And maybe at the end of it, you know, we can get people to to, to tell us which team they fancy fancy to win the, the you know the deciding match or whatnot. So yeah, just a bit of fun. But yeah, I, I'm I'm personally gonna go with a four one four one, but let's let's call it a four three three. All right, well since we're with you, give us your first midfielder. <laughs> I suspect Sam might have got this one. Um my holding midfielder, the anchor would have to be um Leeds United's Calvin Phillips. I don't think he would be absent from anyone's Championship team of the season, um, class act, tactically intelligent, a real leader, excellent on the ball. Technically, we talked about that, his range of passing, J- just very, very sensible. And of course, uh, an all-action ball winner as well. I, I think he's he stepped up significantly this season. He was excellent last year, but he's he's developing a pace and he will be a Premier League player, probably with Leeds United next season, I imagine. Uh, Sam, you were in support, as I remember, of the of the argument for him getting a call up to an England squad for a friendly back when international football was a thing. It has, is that enough for him to have made the cut for your team too? Oh yeah, hundred percent. He he's in there for me, and yeah, disappointing for for him because there was obviously strong rumours that he was going to be in these squads for the warm up game. So he'll have to bide his time for his um his uh, opportunity at national league level but yeah I mean, just echo what Adrian said really I was you know fortunate to to see him recently at Brentford in kind of his comeback game I think he'd been suspended for a, a couple maybe which they'd actually lost and they just sneaked over the line in the previous game against Millwall so he was unbelievable considering he'd missed maybe two or three weeks um, of competitive action obviously he doesn't stand out really in a lot of the the stats, for obvious reasons, he's a bit of a jack-of-all-trades. Um, he's actually in the top three for average amount of crosses, I noticed. And he's he's very high up there in terms of tackles, but brilliant screen, but also very underrated of what he can do with the football. Wonderful range of passing, long and short. And um, yeah, he's going to be a top player in the Premier League for many years, I would suggest. So, Clark, he's gone four-one-four-one in his formation. What, what have you gone for, Sam? Yeah, pretty much the the, the same really. Um, four three three four one four one. But um, yeah, shall I go with one of my advanced midfielders then? Yes, please. Well, I'll go with my favourite person in the world, apart from my girlfriend, um, <laughs> Eze. Eze at QPR, who I just think, in a nutshell, is kind of the reason I started watching football and wanted to play football. A player like that. Um, he reminds me. I've said it numerous times of a guy called Roy Wegley, who I grew up watching. 
uh, you know, a more modern player would be Tarapt that QPR had as well. If we're talking about, you know, Queen's Park Rangers number tens, just receives the ball brilliantly, so elegant. You know, the nutmegs, the step overs, and also obviously adding that end product this season: twelve goals, eight assists. Um, I think that's the most in the division in terms of goal involvements, apart from Jared Bowen, who's obviously in the Premier League and we no longer speak of. But <laughs> Eze's just a, a dream. Uh, honestly, I love watching him play. Great that he's got that consistency. And next time we see him now, sadly, it may be in a, in a different coloured shirt for QPR supporters. Yeah, he's made it look as a this season. Uh, Clark, has he made the cut for you? Of course he has. Yeah, he's been, he's been the, mess, uh, the most entertaining player in the division, hands down. Sensational dribbler. Just plays with that freedom that I think all footballers dream about playing with. But then in reality, when the pressure is on, when points are at stake, we're not always able to, to replicate that and, and, and play like we might do in the playground. He, he's got that, that freedom about him, that confidence. Just just a sensational player to watch. String of man-of-the-match performances as well. It, it's almost as if that QPR have... Something about QPR, they seem to seem to be drawn to these maverick talents, don't they? Going all the way back to the to the seventies, even, and and he's the latest in a in a long line to to shine at Loftus Road. Yeah, he's hundred percent in my team. Sam midfielder number three. I'd imagine it's going to be the same, so I'll keep it brief. Um, Matthias Pereira at West Brom. You know, he's been outstanding in that you know number ten position, advanced midfielder, most key passes per game in the division, um, six goals, 12 assists. And I'll just talk about a moment with him, really, uh, to, to mix it up. The goal, the free kick against Bristol City, one of the best goals this season. If you can't recall it, he just kind of clips it from the, it's probably inside the D, gets it down in time, to puts no pace at all on the ball, just the direction. It's almost reminiscent of that Koeman free kick against England or I think Messi's, capable of executing them like that. Maybe Kevin Sheedy going back to the 80s. I mean, it was sublime. So, yeah, he's been probably the biggest reason as to why West Brom have had the success this season. And um, I can, in this system, get him in his preferred role. Jimenez would cause absolute havoc. <laughs> have I picked the same player? Yes, I have. Yeah, look, we didn't confer on this. We really didn't. It's nice. Um, I, I like synergy at this time in, in all of our lives. Pe- people yeah, exactly. coming to the I'd, same conclusions is a good thing. Yeah, exactly. Our, de- our defences were, were a little bit different and I, and I think there are good reasons for that. But in midfield, these three in these particular positions have just stood out like a beacon. They really have. I was at that game as well that Sam's referencing against Bristol City. I'd describe it as a kind of almost a Paninka free kick. There's the whistle. Up steps Pereira. Tries to chip it over. Oh, oh, it's brilliant. Oh, oh. It's absolutely sublime from Mateus Pereira. Quite, quite ridiculous, really. Um, and it's one of many brilliant moments that we've seen from him. He is great on, on set plays, but he also draws so many fouls. And of course, from those fouls, West Bromwich Albion often cause mayhem from, from free kicks as well. So, so no... Top player, what a pickup, and um, you know the, the the key now, I guess, for Slaven Bilic is to, is to keep him long term. In terms of honourable mentions, then Sam uh, Sam Basau, presumably. No, I did <sighs> I did I did see that he was very high in a number of the, the the stats columns though for you know kind of ball winning back the ball and and tackles etc. So, but no, Calvin Phillips hands down there, 
And and to be honest, in the advanced midfield positions, not really anyone that could push those two. But I'd say Ajari are at Reading has had a very good season. Obviously, Pablo Hernandez at Leeds is exquisite, but maybe has missed one or two too many games and not been maybe as consistent as he was last season. So they would be maybe the two. Um, there's a couple of forward players that I've earmarked, you know, I would earmark for those roles that are going to be disappointed that haven't made my team, but I'll um, <laughs> come on to them next week. Did you have anybody who just missed the cut, Clarkie? Just, just missed it. I think Sam Bissau is up there, definitely. Yeah, he's been one of the best central midfielders in, in the division, but but yeah, I can't I can't put him ahead of Calvin Phillips. I think Romain Sawyers, if I was going to go for a, a two-man base, Romain Sawyers would have been close. I know that he's had a, had a little dip um, midway through the season, but but largely excellent. Ajaria as well has been terrific. And, and also at Reading Swift. I think Swift has been quite underrated in terms of his contributions for, for the Royals. So, so they're the ones that, that were in my head. But ultimately, this was really easy to pick, this this particular trio. All right, so that is Samba in goal, a back line of either Ailing or Cash, White, either Penick or Ajayi, and either Pedersen or Brian. And then in midfield, we're all agreed, it's Phillips, Eze and Pereira. Join us for the front three next week. So that's midfield done. Speaking of midfielders, we're going to speak to one next. That's Shrewsbury's Dave Edwards. Get great offers every day with William Hill. Join today and get £30 in free bets when you bet £10 using the promo code C30. Whether you like great prices, free bets or in-play scoreboards, William Hill has you covered. William Hill is who you play with. Promo code C30. New online customers only. Minimum £10 stake. Win only. Minimum odds 1-2. to two. Free bets paid as free £10 bets. 30-day expiry. Free bet payment method player and country restrictions apply. League One headlines. On Tuesday, on loan Rangers midfielder Ross McCrory became the fifth Portsmouth player to test positive for the coronavirus. Kenny Jackett has said the other four players aren't displaying symptoms. Wimbledon's Dons Trust have released a statement saying that the coronavirus outbreak will affect their Plough Lane stadium plans. And on a similar theme, Gillingham Chief Paul Scally wants Premier League clubs to help out their EFL little brothers by finding £50 million to help save clubs in League One and League Two. Hey everybody, let's cheer ourselves up by phoning up an EFL stalwart. This week, coming to us live from his home, it's Shrewsbury midfielder Dave Edwards. Hey, you got the home gym all set up? Yeah, well, I'm very, very fortunate that my uh, my wife's a personal trainer. So uh, a few years ago, we converted our garage into a bit of a gym. So I've got no excuses. I should, probably shouldn't be saying that on air. The fitness coach will, will have proof now that I should be doing more work. But yeah, I'm quite lucky and... It's, it's just nice to be spending time with the kids more than anything else because in a long, hard season, you don't really get these chances. I wish it was in a different scenario, but I'm making the most of it. Dave, um, in such a difficult time for, for everyone, I thought I'd ask you a bit of a, a feel-good question. Just try and explain what it's meant to be meant to you to be back at Shrewsbury after all these years, uh, having such uh, an affiliation with the club and, and growing up supporting it. I absolutely love it. I say I've Growing up supporting the club since I was a really young kid, always been a Shrewsbury supporter. And it was obviously my dream come true when I actually got into the first team originally and started playing and then to go on and have a career, which I'm very grateful for, and then to come full circle and be able to come back here for the, the last few years of my career, it's, it's extra special. And it means that that much more to me than uh, when I first started. I know this is coming close to the end of my career and I'm trying to make the most of every moment. I wouldn't want to do it any at any other club other than Shrewsbury. 
Yeah, sound, yeah, you really are. Yeah, you're living the dream, I guess. Yeah, to to, to potentially end your career there. What, what do you think you'll do next? I don't want to sort of wish retirement on you already because you're still you're still doing the business. But um, we, we've heard you co-commentating, you know, a bit of punditry, coaching. I don't know if that's something that that interests you down the line. Have you got a pathway in your mind yet? Um, well, I haven't ruled anything out. Coaching at the moment is not something that. I can really see myself doing. Um, I do really enjoy the punditry side of things, but I know it's a very sort of tough market to get into. I've got lots of things going on away from football as well. I have a foundation which I'm involved in, uh, also different businesses which I'm sort of a bit part at the moment. Um, obviously, when I finish playing football, I can give a lot more of my time to that. So, fortunately, I, I'll hopefully have a few different options. But say coaching at the moment I don't think will be for me but I'll, I'll never rule that out um, I don't think you'll know how much you'll miss football until you actually hang your boots up and it's not something I'm looking forward to doing I'll try and play as long as I possibly can but hopefully I'll have different options when that day does come You mentioned your foundation there and I, I know that um, your book you're giving some of the proceeds from that to it tell, tell us about the book and about the foundation uh, Well the book came about from um the media officer at Wolves at the time, Paul Berry, he, he mentioned to me about he would like to have a go at writing a book and would I be interested in sort of co-writing my sort of journey through the Euros and, and through the rest of my career and I sort of jumped at the chance. It's something I've always wanted to do. I think it's a really good insight to what a major tournament's like for a player. Um, so it's the only time I've been. It was an incredible experience, but to get that down on paper was really good. Um, and then all the proceeds, any money that I make from the book goes directly to the foundation, which is um, the Little Rascals Foundation, which me and my best friend set up and it supports children with disabilities and their families. We have a, a play centre in Shrewsbury, which is completely run for the foundation. So any money we make inside the centre goes straight into the foundation's pot. And then we provide lots of different services for these children, and their families, whether it's um, holiday clubs, after-school clubs, respite for the parents, we do a lot of mentoring and, and things like that. So it's it's great and I can't really spend a great deal of time in it. So when I do retire, that is something I definitely want to give more of my week to. Well, that is magnificent and we salute you for it. Um, we'll talk a little bit more about football before we let you go and, and what's going on now. Um, how, how, have, how have the club, the manager, been keeping in, in touch with you and is it all about what's going on on the players' group chat at the moment in terms of keeping your morale up? Yeah, the WhatsApp groups uh, are going off. There's loads of stuff on there. The fitness coach put something in there and then all of a sudden he's getting hammered off every single one of the players with excuses why they can't do this, that and the other. But the club have put in so many plans for us to keep ourselves fit and motivated. Real credit to them. It's a difficult time, not just for the players, but for the staff as well. And we all seem to have really come together at this difficult point and trying to make sure we're as ready as possible for when we're we're next in training, which for the foreseeable future, we can't see that, but we've got to be ready for what is the April the 30th. I think they said the games can start again. So, there's no rest time really. It's, it'd be a detriment to us if we kind of had a few weeks off and then um, started to get back into fitness. That's when injuries can come. So we've got to keep ourselves ticking over as mundane as it can be, whether you can say go out once a day on your run or or do stuff in and around the house. Um, it's important as a as a professional to make sure we're in the best shape when we do get the opportunity to complete the season. Well, if we do. But yeah, the, the, the staff have been great. We even had a had a five-kilometre time trial yesterday where all the staff and all the players got involved, all recorded over an app called Strava. Um, winning times are posted to try and get that competitive edge. So trying to be really creative with everything we do. 
Oh, that's brilliant. I love that. Uh, you know, it's not gone as far as having an online weigh-in or anything like that yet, is it? <laughs> no, nothing like that. But I think everyone knows that the moment we step back in, put in the training ground, the calipers will be out for our body fats and the scales will be there for us. So we can't let ourselves go too much. Dave, considering the manager, Sam Ricketts, is a former teammate of yours, does he lean on you for anything other than your playing expertise at the moment? Have you got any um, hands-on roles in terms of coaching or, or helping the younger players or is it just focused on actually what you're doing from the middle of the park? No, it's definitely, um, I'd say, more of just, just the playing aspect at the moment. Me and Sam were, were really good friends throughout our career. Uh, I used to be roommates at Wolves and obviously the Wales connection. So I've always gotten really well with him and... It is different to a normal player-manager relationship, I feel, whereas I wouldn't be one to feel comfortable to go and speak to a manager all that often unless I really needed to. Um, whereas with the gaffer, we, we speak quite a lot. I think he um, leans on me at times just to sort of gauge uh, what the team are thinking about different things, whether if it's tactical or emotionally or all the things that go on at a football club. And I try and be a little bit of a go-between in, in that respect, but I'm still very much a player. And if he needs to drop me out of the team or give me a rollick in it, he does that as well. So that's something I've had to learn to take. But it's 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 a real good relationship from from my side, one that I'm really enjoying, and I feel it has benefits to the team as well. Dave, thanks so much for taking some time to talk to us today, and and good luck for the rest of the season, whenever that will be. But more importantly, stay safe until we get back underway again. Cheers, thanks, guys. Dave Edwards from Shrewsbury in every sense. Um, So as players then, what sort of approach from the fitness coaches would you appreciate at at this time? Chaps, Adrian, you seem to quite like the idea of Strava races. (laughs) I did, actually. Yeah, I thought that was really good. I I think I I wouldn't have ever won that race. I've pretty been top half. But but yeah, I wouldn't have won it. Um, but no, that's that that would get the juices flowing, wouldn't it? And look, the technology—we're so lucky. I mean, obviously, what's happening is is disastrous. It's an absolute nightmare for everybody. But we are lucky in this living in this technological age, aren't we? We've got the internet. So many things you can stream now. I wouldn't mind having you know one the fitness coach going on a Facebook live. You can just make it a private one and 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 put the guys through their paces on some kind of circuit session. Um, at home that might be quite good fun you've got these zoom chats haven't you so no there's loads of stuff I think that that clubs will be doing behind the scenes just to just to keep morale up Sam I guess the key is to keep it competitive if you can to get get people all motivated to actually do it to their to their maximum ability oh I don't know about that I I echo what Adrian said yeah to, to have the routine definitely in place um something interactive um you know to have the the physio, the, the sports scientist on the screen in front of you, putting you through your paces, no problem at all. But that would have been that would have been great. Uh, I'm sure they're enjoying that and and having something to get up for. Uh, but in keeping with my career, I would have just wanted to finish one place in front of the plump reserve goalie. <laughs> <laughs> That's the third tier covered with relatively few tiers shed. Next, we're speaking to Keith Curl. Well, Abby is was it happened earlier because home technology. It's a good interview though. Hey listener, are you currently acting as a teacher, playgroup leader and parents all at the same time? Quite difficult, isn't it? Maybe you're currently recording a podcast in the box room of your tiny London home, praying that your child will stay asleep so you can actually get something done that isn't picking up toys, wiping noses and settling disputes over Lego. Well, if you've got kids at home just now and need ideas of who and what to keep them entertained, then check out the Stuck at Home podcast from Fun Kids Radio. 
Stuck at Home is full of interesting and fun things for your kids to do and a new episode comes out every single day. It features interviews, stories and educational elements to keep your kids occupied and is hosted by some of Fun Kids' favourite presenters. Stuck at Home is free to download wherever you get your podcasts and if you're like me, you desperately need this in your life. This is the Totally Football League Show with Matt Davis-Adams. League 2 headlines. Leighton Orient's quarantine FIFA tournament goes on, sadly, without Leighton Orient because their goalie Sam Sargent was no match for an actual professional FIFA player. Plymouth's chairman has assured the club that they're financially stable and can last until the end of the outbreak. You know, that defined period of time. And Forest Green are in hibernation until the football returns, which is cute. Now, last week, Sam got a tweet from Trevor HP saying, will you get to reviewing the cobblers in the downtime period? Would love to hear yours and at Adrian J. Clark's perspective. How about we get the manager on instead, Trev? Oh, go on then. Here's producer Abby speaking with Keith Curl. Keith, uh, it kind of seems like a simple question to begin with, but how are you? How are you doing? Yeah, um, doing what needs to be done, I think, is the... Um... The uh, order of the day is uh, keeping updated with the with the news, keeping updated with the uh, the football club uh, and the players. I think what what we've what we've done we've divided the the, the playing squad and the the football staff into uh, four uh, four groups. So uh, myself, Colin West, Ronnie Jepson, uh, and Dan Watson, the four football coaches, uh, we keep in contact every two or three days with the players just for a general. Uh, chit chat, find out what they've been doing, what they've been up to, uh, find out what physically what they've been doing, and also making sure that mentally they're still in a good place. I guess sort of keeping them physically fit is the the most important thing because no one really knows when the season's going to start again. Yeah, definitely. I think the important thing at the minute is, is keeping them uh, taken over, but making sure that they're abiding by the guidelines that have been set out by the government, uh, and finding out if anyone's struggling with uh, with certain aspects of it. Then we've got the strength and conditioning coach as well, uh, who's on who's on who's on board and, and who's in also in, in in daily contact. But what we've been trying to do is we've been trying to get the players to be accountable for what they do. So rather than him sending plans out, uh, we're getting the players to inform him. Of what they've been doing, and then him giving them guidance. Uh, some some of the players have been doing too much, uh, and other players obviously need to do a little bit more of a specific work. Uh, what about you yourself as manager? Have you been taking this as sort of an opportunity to have a little bit of a break, or have you been seeing this? No, as I need to be doing more prep and analysis because there will be games coming up. Yeah, well, again, this is a time now where I've been setting workloads for for me, for the recruitment staff, uh, finding out uh, and basically doing, uh, getting as much intelligence as I can do on some of the targets uh, that we've been recruiting, uh, speaking to uh, speaking to scouts, uh, and basically trying to create portfolios for players that we think may be of interest uh, as and when. Um, the, the football season restarts and when we get to the final stages and then the recruitment process will kick in for, for next season's uh, players group. Well, you're, um, speaking of the scouting, it was particularly good kind of back in January, especially with like Callum Morton coming in from West Brom. Uh, how pleased have you been with the scouting? <sighs> Yeah, very good. I think when I came into the football club, I, uh, I changed the recruitment department, trimmed down uh, the scouting network. And uh, again, I've got a very good relationship with the head of recruitment. And I think it's important that he's somebody that I uh, that I trust and got a good understanding of, of what I'm looking for in the players that we recruit. And also then we set up uh, a strategy whereby every every scout from the football club, every coach that goes to games, we've got a grading system in place that is self-evident and and, and very individual uh, to ourselves for the football club. So, you know, which ranges from you know, 
players that are available and players that that we, that we recommend that we that we try and sign if, if possible. Also, that, uh, at the other end of the scale is not for us at this minute or players that we've got uh, as good as or not better. So again, so it's just a case of going through some of the some of the highlighted players or players that have been highlighted and, and, and getting as much information on those. All the players, all the staff are watching players, uh, and what we're doing, we're getting feedback, gathering gathering feedback and information individually. And then obviously, what I do is I collate it all with the head of recruitment, Simon Tracy. Is this the sort of thing that you would be doing over the summer instead, or is this like you're taking advantage kind of of this, this unprecedented break? Is this something that just wouldn't have happened in normal seasons? Well, yeah, but, um, no, it's, it's something that, that we do do. But this is a, it's an opportunity to, to spend more time at it because hopefully, you know, with every with every recruitment process, uh, unfortunately, you know, they don't all pay off. But sometimes that can be down to not having enough time and, and getting enough intelligence on players. But what we're doing now is, I think we've been very good with our recruitment policy, and because it's not only about the ability, we've been, uh, we try to bring in the right characters into the football club with the right hunger and desire uh, and ambition. And I think that's been that's been. Probably Probably the, the most pleasing part, the, the change in the characteristics and the dynamics of the changing room in a short period of time. Returning to the current season, whatever state it is in, have you been thinking about when the, re- the season restarts and what your aims for the club will be then? Again, we need to maintain an upward curve. I think uh, I think it's quite evident when when we first came into the football club, we weren't uh, in a place where we needed to be or wanted to be, or or certainly where we should have uh, where we should have been. I think we had a, but, but within that, it, it, change doesn't just happen by just changing the manager. There's been a lot of things that have had to be implemented uh, and changed. Some 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 can be quite immediate. Some take a, a longer a longer time to get the the full value. Uh, but again, I think we uh, we turned the club from from where they were. Uh, third or fourth bottom with a, 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 a an exaggerated uh, playing budget but I think we've shown good housekeeping we've readdressed the finances of the football club uh, and again in when I say readjusting, you know, we're still not in a position where we're going to we're going to make make money. The football club is still going to lose money, but that's money that is uh, is accounted for by the chairman and the owners. But we've shown good housekeeping. We've reduced the wage budget, uh, and we're operating in the top half of the table. At the minute, we're in the playoffs, and the ambitions and aspirations for the football club uh, is to continue that upward curve. Um, it feels a bit watching the team like you've been battling kind of style for the fans versus substance and results. Uh, what have you learned kind of over the season and how have you been adapting? Again, I think what you do, every manager, every coach will have a, a playing philosophy. But what you need to do when you walk into a football club, first and foremost, you need to gain results. And what you find is when you to gain longevity in a job to to see the fruits of your philosophy bearing fruits, you, you need time. Uh, and and then you're able then, uh, as uh, as the longer you get in, in a job, your philosophy of how you want the game played will shine through. Uh, sometimes, you know, uh, it can take... Uh, a year and a half, two years to to mould the squad to get the players uh, that you want in. I think when I was at Carlisle, it took me three years, and I think there's only there was one player that survived uh, throughout the three years. Danny Granger, who um, uh, who survived the, the, the three years, and I think we went from a team that had just been relegated that were four points adrift at the second division to a team that operated in the top ten three years consecutively uh, and got to the and got to the playoffs as well. So and again, so uh, that longevity paid off thinking to when the season might get underway again it's 
been mooted a lot that it's probably going to have to be behind closed doors. Do you have any strong feelings about that? Again, I've, I've never managed or coached behind closed doors uh, for an official game, so that would be going into unknown territory. But again, I think the, the, the starting point is, uh, can we get the season finished? First and foremost, you know, it's the, the magnitude of the situation that we're in. Football, unfortunately, is, is secondary and has to be secondary. And again, I think... As, as and when we're given the opportunity and, and permission to play games, if it's behind closed doors to get the season done, uh, then so be it. And, and again, it will be a challenge. But again, what, what we try to create at the football club is an environment whereby we accept challenges. Uh, we don't shy away from them. And finally, um, we like to end on a lighter note here. Uh, Sean Dyche has talked in the past of his love for handmade shoes from Northampton, which the area is famous for, hence the nickname. Have you got the same handmade shoe guy as Sean Dyche? Um, no, I've, I've been put in. I have, I have been put in contact with uh, uh, a shoe company that are willing to willing to willing to provide some handmade uh, handmade shoes. And it's just a case of me get, getting the time to go down and uh, and be fitted. Keith Curl, Northampton manager there. So let's give the cobblers a review, as in the team, not the shoe manufacturers. Uh, Sam, Adrian, what have you made of their season so far? Currently sat in the final playoff spot, but considerably more losses than those around them. What do you think, Adrian? Um, he's done a great job. He really has. I think he's been battling um, style over substance for, for a part of it. He hasn't necessarily wanted to play as direct as he has. But but the truth is, that's what suits them the best. They've scored 17 set-piece goals. That's a joint high with Colchester United. They've got a lot of big players. Uh, Verdane Oliver, particularly dangerous up front in the air. So, so we know that those are their key strengths, as is experience. It's, it's, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't label them an old team, but they don't have many younger players. I know that Sam will probably want to talk about one of the, one of the forwards they've brought in that, that has freshened up the place, but but they don't have many players under the age of twenty three. It's quite a senior team. Um, Nicky Adams, I think, probably deserves a bit a bit of a mention. Twelve assists from him this season. A lot of those from set pieces, of course. He can play on the left, plays on the right. Bit of a manager's dream, really. And for him, this season has sort of revived his career at the age of thirty three because he came from Berry. So there was obviously he was contracted to Bury. That, that that all went you know the way that we that we know it did. And Keith Curley worked with him at Carlisle, brought him in, and, and he's done ever so well. So so no, Northampton, strong team. Um, whether they're good and good enough to to go up this season, or, you know, remains to be seen. But uh, yeah, powerful, powerful unit. Sam, your old boys. What have you made of them so far? Yeah, just following on from how Adrian finished there. Powerful team, worst disciplinary record in the in the division, second most aerial battles won. Only Newport have um, lower pass completion, so they play a certain way. We saw Lincoln City get out of that division a year ago, playing us in a similar fashion. So it, it can be done. What we saw with Lincoln was maybe developing different strands to their game. Latterly, better players. If you can't be direct all the time and you have to play through a little bit, you need to have better players. Well, I think in January he's added more quality, certainly. And in Callum Morton, the the, the striker they've had on loan from West Brom, he has got a great work ethic but can handle a ball and they've got a bit more of a threat on the counter-attack now as well with him and the pace of Marshall, uh, the well-travelled Marshall who came in as well uh, in January. So I think for them to... 
to get promoted, they probably need to improve the calibre of the player. But I don't think the setup is going to change. The the other thing I've I've noticed maybe about them is the mentality. Uh, conceded thirty five percent of their goals after the seventy fifth minute this season, and going behind's been a big problem as well. When they've conceded the first goal, they've only gone on to win one game. That was away at Salford two one. So. They're much more confident. They're much better when they score first. 24 times, they've won 16 of those games. So I think when you play that way and you can put teams under pressure, especially in the home games, teams can crumble. They've just shown a little bit of a weak mentality at times, maybe. So that's um, something for them possibly to, to, to look at moving forward. But I just think, you know, they need probably to have a little bit more possession at times in games. Um, Alan McCormack has brought them that, but has not been available for large portions of the season. So, yeah, it's a work in progress. I don't imagine they're going to go up this season if it resumes, but done a good job, but probably still a little bit more work to get them into the higher tier. Excellent stuff, chap. So there you go, Trevor. You can consider the cobblers thoroughly chewed over. Now, just before we end the show, we thought we'd have a quick reminiscing session. Uh, also, it was prompted by our friend, that red-haired dude, regular contributor to the show. Hope you're well and safe. Uh, he asks, what has been your game of the season so far across each league? Sam, uh, you've gone for a match in League Two. I think that it might involve Swindon. Am I right? No. Oh, <laughs> I've put two down actually because the most I enjoyed a live spectacle probably was Swindon's 3-1 win at Leighton Orient um, just a really complete away performance and the sign signs that day that they were going to go on and be the force that they had been in League 2 but I think from a, a spectacle I've gone back to just the 11th of January Mansfield 3, Forest Green 4 Mansfield 2-0 up Mansfield 3-2 down Nicky Maynard equalised in added on time for Mansfield only for Aaron Collins to win it in the 96th minute. So I'm going to go for that one. Great game, but two teams there who will be disappointed with how their seasons have turned out so far. And it wasn't easy for um, for Forest Green to replace the goals that they lost, but they ought to have done a bit better, those two, hadn't they? Given that they were top, I think, Forest Green for a period, they've really fallen off a cliff. And, and you're right, you know, kind of trying to recover those goals that they've lost from the creativity of Brown and Doidge obviously has been a big problem and they've had to bring in players from lower tiers and hope that they hit the ground running and uh, I think it's Mills the the, the fullback left wing back who has been top goal scorer certainly was until recently so that's that's been a big problem for them and I'm sure you know Mark Cooper will have a big close season whenever it arrives ahead to um, you know replenish that squad uh, and have another crack at it. But uh, and Mansfield would have been, they certainly were my favourites, I think. I had them probably in the top three in the predictions. They've had a, a ghastly season, uh, especially given given the budget. So no one would have predicted this and they need to improve. They need to improve fast because there's big money been, been spent, you would imagine, at that club. Uh, Clarky, you picked a League One game, didn't you? I have, yeah. It's a, it's an eight-goal thriller at uh, Sinselbank. Lincoln 5, Ipswich. Three. This was one of those games during the Christmas period. So some people might have missed it because there's so much football going on around that time. It was on Sunday, the 29th of December, an absolute belter. And, um, and when you 
I, I remembered it and it came to my mind as soon as, as soon as I saw this question and then I rewatched the goals because I had it in my head that, that there were some really good goals in it and the, and the standard of, of finishing was really really good we also saw some clever set pieces we saw an own goal it was kind of a little bit of everything and then right at the death as when it was 4-3 Ipswich were pushing forward trying to get that equaliser and then Lincoln hit them on the break uh, in the 92nd minute with uh, Jake Hesketh and it was kind of like a last hurrah really for for the Lincoln of old for Cowley's Lincoln the guys like like Tyler Walker and Toffolo have, have since moved on made a bit of a reboot haven't they under under Appleton so this was like a last hurrah for that group great game um, against, uh, against a strong Ipswich team that that since then have been pretty awful. But until that point, they've been flying. Right, well, I got the championship and it won't surprise you to learn I picked QPR nil, Forest 4 from November. Uh, Sam, Nick Miller and I were at Loftus Road that night. Me, me and Nick stifling guffaws as the two XECs made Rangers look like a bunch of chumps on their own patch. So that was very good fun indeed. Uh, well, listener, if like me, all you want to do is reminisce on those matches, you can thanks to the EFL on Quest. The EFL on Quest will be back when the football's back and when it is, you can find it on Freeview Channel 12, Freestat 167, Sky 144, Virgin 217, or just go online and watch at questod.co.uk. Can't wait. So it's at this point where I ask the chaps what they're up to this weekend, but I can tell you without asking, they'll be staying at home, as will I, as will you, I'm sure, a responsible listener. Thanks for joining us today. Keep on keeping on. Until next time, it's bye for now. You've been listening to the Totally Football League Show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email sales at muddykneesmedia.com. Keep up to date with everything across our Totally Football network at The Totally Show on Twitter. And make sure you check out our brand new website too, thetotallyfootballshow.com. host of the Totally Scottish Football Show and if you like football you're gonna love Scottish football it's not all just Stevie G and Scott Brown up here no because we talk about all of the Scottish football and geez oh it's great there's actually a title race this year in the Premiership Stevie G will be hoping not to slip up again Hearts are tearing each other a new one Motherwell are doing well well they're doing well so if you like your football to be competitive have a title race and a ton of drama off and on the pitch the totally scottish football show is most definitely for you grab scottish football by the boys just like ryan christie did and listen to the totally scottish football show available everywhere even in england muddy knees media